Would you like to join us in worship? Join us singing, please. announcements this morning but first I want to say happy new year to everyone and welcome to worship and for the guys outside yeah I'm, I'm thinking you're really cold don't forget spark the new children's worship time will start up next week at nine o'clock in the education building your kids or grandkids are all invited to attend there will be a board meeting on January the 12th at 6.30 here in the sanctuary, or you can join on Zoom, and an email will be sent out beforehand. Confirmation class will begin on January the 17th. And please continue to make reservations for indoor worship with the office by noon on Wednesdays. And our communion offering today will be for Human Relations Day. First reading today comes from Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 6. Get out of bed, Jerusalem. Wake up. Put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen for you. 
The whole earth is wrapped in darkness. All people sunk in deep darkness, but God rises on you. His sunrise glory breaks over you. Nations will come to your light, kings to your sunburst brightness. Look up, look around, watch as they gather, watch as they approach you, your sons coming from great distances, your daughters carried by their nannies. When you see them coming, you'll smile, big smiles. Your heart will swell and yes, burst. All those people returning by sea for the reunion, a rich harvest of exiles gathered in from the nations. And then streams of camel caravans as far as the eye can see. Young camels of nomads in Midian and Ephah pouring in from the south from Sheba, loaded with gold and frankincense, preaching the praises of God. The word of God for the people of God. Let us join together in prayer. Merciful God, we thank you for a new year full of opportunity to show your love. You have made everything wonderful for your children to enjoy. Guide us with your Holy Spirit as we prepare for this new year. Let it be a year in which we grow in our faith, follow you more closely, and show your love to all. Teach us to find your fingerprints everywhere. May we always reflect your mercy, goodness, and light so we can make your kingdom, which has no end, known to all of your children. Let us travel all our days on another road, the one shown to us by Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Happy New Year. It's good to see all of you here on this beautiful, beautiful, you know, again, it may be a tad chilly for a few folks in San Antonio, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous day as we've been blessed with a lot of lately. Praise the Lord. Well, I've told y'all on numerous occasions that one of the great blessings in my life was growing up in the Panhandle of Texas, you know, and I, and I, and I mean that with all my heart. Uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful place to grow up. Not that there aren't a lot of other wonderful places to grow up, but it was a good place to grow up. As we say here in Texas, right? The stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas, right? And even though where I grew up wasn't really the heart of Texas, the stars at night were big and bright because it's, it's dark up there, almost as dark as it is out in the ocean. But I was thinking about that in preparation for this morning's sermon. You know, we talk about the wise men following a star. Have you ever thought about that, though? We get to see the same stars that Abraham got to see. 
God took Abram before his name got changed in Genesis chapter 15 out there, and he said what? He said, look up at all the stars. And if you can count them, you know, that's how many descendants you're going to have. They're going to be as numerous as the stars. And then when God was talking to Job, right? When God was talking to Job, Job chapter 38, he says to Job, you know, can you chain Pleiades? You know, can you change the course of Orion? Job got to see the same stars that we see. Jesus got to see the same stars when he was down here on earth in, in his incarnation that we get to see. And we get to see the same stars that the wise men saw back then. There isn't anything new under the sun, as the scriptures tell us. And to me, one of the greatest places to find our common connection with those that have gone on before us is when we go outside at night, when we go out and we look up at the stars in the heavens, just like those wise men did back then when they went to see Jesus. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew's gospel, the second chapter. By the way, there's no stable in Matthew. Did y'all know that? There's only, there's only a stable in Luke. You know, this is one of my favorite. I, I try to refrain from it, but, you know, this is, this is one of those passages, and this is that time of year where, you know, we have all of these flaky things that we think about that, that aren't scriptural. And again, for those of you who may have forgotten it, the wise men and the shepherds didn't come at the same time. If you have one of those nativity sets, anyway, consider the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet Micah, and you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, 
they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Merciful and loving God, God who loves us more than we usually realize. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, an interesting passage. And by the way, by the way, what, what we have here in Luke, I mean in, in Matthew, and what we have in Luke are the Christmas narratives. As such, don't appear anyplace else in Scripture. But a few, a few historical notes here uh, before we go much further. The first thing it says, of course, it says, when Herod, this is Herod the Great, was king. Okay? Now, this is how we know, because this is, this is found in extra-biblical sources and is documented elsewhere. How do we know when Jesus was born? It's a good question. This tells us pretty much, pretty much. Doesn't tell us exactly, doesn't tell us what day, doesn't tell us what month, and it, and it really doesn't tell us exactly what year, but we're close. We, I mean, we can get close from looking at this. Herod died in 4 B.C., and we know if we read on, starting there at verse 13, I stopped in verse 12, that Herod has all the children, all the boy children in Bethlehem, two years of age and under, killed. Because by that time, Jesus would have been about two. And by the way, notice, Matthew doesn't refer to Jesus here as a baby. He refers to him as a child, as a child. And I think all of us pretty much have that difference. Some of us have relatively new babies in our lives, and we typically call them babies until they start, well, I don't know. I don't know that there really is any set line of demarcation or anything, but until they start ambulating maybe, and then we look at them as, you know, little children. Or whatever. But in any case, in any case, Herod the Great, who was, who was no nice guy, right? But he was politically expedient for the emperor, who, of course, at this time was Augustus Caesar. Herod was the only person that ever maintained peace in Palestine and that whole area. When Herod died, the rule was turned over to four kings instead of one. But, like I say, Herod was no nice guy. He murdered his wife. He murdered his mother-in-law. You know, again, we could have a discussion about that, uh, probably. He murdered three of his sons because he thought they might come up and murder him and take power, right? 
Augustus Caesar said of Herod that it's safer to be Herod's pig than it is to be his son. That's the kind of person Herod was. What was it that the wise men saw in the sky that night? It could have been, and in fact, in fact, there are very good arguments. There are very good arguments to say that it was what we just recently got to see in the sky at night, right? The conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. That well could have been what the wise men saw. And, and as I say, of all the research is done, and we run computer programs backwards for astrological events, and there are, there are a lot of good arguments for that. And that happened, that happened, by the way, in 7 B.C., okay? A particular conjunction like the one we saw the other night or the other morning, whenever you watched. But it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. The important thing here, I think, for us as 21st century Christians to look at is there were people that were looking for the truth. They were seeking for God. You see, because God made us all that way. All of us are incomplete until we have the portion of God in us that we need. And these people, and again, doesn't say how many there were there, right? Despite some of the songs in the hymnal and other things you may have seen, there is no number given to the number of wise men there. The wise men most likely came from Persia. They were probably Zoroastrians. But again, we don't know that for sure. What we do know is they were educated people who studied astronomy and knew the stars and watched the stars, and they weren't paupers. They weren't paupers. You didn't just get up and take a journey like that in those days if you didn't have some sort of means. So these were wealthy, educated people. But they were still doing what we all have to do. We have to look for the truth. We have to look for the truth. They weren't Jewish. They were Gentiles that came to see the Lord and realized that the Lord was there. I want to sort of skip over pretty much of what we read in Matthew this morning and take this opportunity since we are beginning a new year. We are beginning a new year and I invite all of you, all of us, including me, to examine our lives at this particular time and to ask ourselves what is, at the, at the, at the end there Matthew says they went home by another road, by another road. This is a great time for all of us to ask ourselves, what road are we on? What road are we on? You know, Jesus said, enter in at the narrow gate because the gate is wide 
and the road is easy that leads to destruction and there are many who take it. But the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life and there are few that find it. Now I think the wise men found it and they went home by another road. And again, I challenge all of us to think about the road we're on. You know, and you can use road as an acronym to help you remember these things. It's what I'm doing, you know. Helps, helps me hopefully keep my thoughts in order so that I don't go rambling all over the pasture and need the shepherds to come, you know, reel me in. I like to think of the R in road as religion. And religion's one of those terms we have to be careful with. But the true meaning of religion is that which reconnects us to God. That's the true meaning of religion. Or as James says, as James says in, in his letter, he says in James 1.27, he says, true religion and undefiled is to take care of the orphan and the widow in their distress and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Now Jesus said, what? Jesus said, I am the way. You could interpret that as road if you wanted to. I am the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But I would argue that Jesus personified love. And the hard road, the hard road that Jesus says that few people find is the road of love. You see, it's not always easy to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not always easy to love your child as yourself, right? Or your spouse or any number of other people. When we, when we, uh, when we get right down to it, and we think about life. But Jesus said that that's what we should be about, right? We should be about loving God, and we should be about loving those around us. And religion is the thing that puts us closer to doing that, connects us back to God. And we get that in the typical ways that we know of, and there's nothing wrong with those ways. We get that through prayer. We get that through meditation. We get that through worship. But the main way we get it is by staying in love with God and those around us. And that's true religion. And then there's the O. I like to think of the O as obedience, right? obedience we need to be obedient on the hard road of love and again Jesus knew that that wasn't easy for us what did Jesus tell us to do and some of the things we're supposed to be obedient to which I'm sure all of us have done today we're supposed to love our enemies we're supposed to pray for those who abuse us and despitefully use us. It's a hard road. 
of love. And then I think about Jesus talking to Peter after the resurrection. You know, when he fixed breakfast for him out there on the beach. Is it just me, or have any of you ever thought about this? Why don't we have a tradition of having fish breakfasts? Really, really. I throw that out there. It's, it, it, it's, it's a scriptural thing, right? You know, you don't ever see Jesus having a pancake breakfast, right? But, but you do see, after the resurrection, the, the, the disciples who, again, like all of us, had fallen back to their old ways, well, Jesus has died and gone on, so Peter says, come on, guys, let's go fishing. Let's go do what we always did, right? He wasn't quite staying on a different road that Jesus had shown him, the road of love. But So what does Jesus ask him when he sees Peter there by the fire on the beach in the early morning? He says, Peter, do you love me? Wow. Peter, do you love me? Notice, here's a Bible challenge for you. Show me the verses where Jesus told his disciples to worship him. I'm not saying we shouldn't. Don't misunderstand me. Jesus told his disciples they should follow him. Jesus told his disciples they should love him. And he says to Peter, do you love me? If you love me, you'll feed my sheep, right? Feed my sheep. If we're on the road of love, not only do we need to practice true religion, but we need to obey what the Lord told us to do. And we need to abide in the Lord, right? We need to abide in the Lord. John chapter 15 says what? If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit, you know? Again, you bear fruit by being loving, by being loving. It doesn't do any good for any of us, you know. And I of all people, you know, because I'm in one of those, I'm in one of those, uh, what do they call it, helping vocations or whatever. I see people do things all the time where they've chosen the easy road, where they've chosen the road of destruction, and I want to fix them, right? What a joke. I can't fix them. I can't fix myself. You can't fix anybody. You can't tell anybody else what to do. But you can love them, right? You can love them. And people change more and become more loving when we're loving to them. And that's what happens when we abide in Jesus. We abide in Jesus. When we abide in Jesus, we keep His commandment, right? That He gave the disciples in John chapter 13. Love one another the same way that I have loved you. Right? Which leads us to the D in road, which is die. If you're on the hard road of love, then you have to die to yourself. That's what Jesus told us, you know? It's part of the good news. Praise the Lord. You know, you get to die to yourself. And actually dying to yourself is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. Just like everything else Jesus instructed us to do. He told us, he says, what? Except a grain of wheat die and fall into the ground, it'll just remain one. But if it dies and falls into the ground again, 
it'll produce much fruit. Much fruit. And Jesus again said, What? Greater love hath no one than that he lay down his life for his brothers and sisters. So this morning as we enter the new year again, I invite all of us to examine our lives. Are we on the easy road that leads to destruction? Or are we on the hard road of love that leads to life? So as you come to the table this morning, I want you to remember our king, the king that the wise men came to find, to seek out, the king of truth, the king of love, the king of life, the prince of peace, who didn't rule by force, but he ruled by love. And his throne wasn't some gilded chair, but it was the cross. Amen? Go now in peace. And as you go, go on the road of love. And do that with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.